Welcome back to my podcast, officially titled The Gospel of Mark by your very own Mark Maxwell Mosley Jr. Jeez, just gave my whole government name. But yeah, like it's officially titled now, you know, I will update all of my streaming services, right? Um, but yeah, thank you for tuning in um, for another episode. Um, and we are really excited we by me and my wife because she's a part of everything that i do you know gotta be lovey-dovey every now and again but first off i do want to say happy holidays and merry christmas i hope everybody was able to enjoy their christmas whether they celebrated it or not or whatever they may celebrate i do hope you enjoyed your day um and was able to celebrate with loved ones and family members um and able just to spend time and remember why we celebrate um, this time of the year, you know, because of the birth of Jesus Christ, um, who without him doing what he did for us, we wouldn't have this amazing book to discover and, you know, to dive into and to um, basically guide our lives from here on out. Um, but now it's time to anticipate a new year. And with that, um, I think that the topic for today will be befitting. Um, because it's on false humility, um, kind of something that I think is l more about what should you say and who you really are in Christ um, and what you should do and what you should be thinking rather than what you have been saying um, or a, a way you have been thinking. So, yes, it's about the false humility, um, because I believe that um, that is something that could be categorized and you could um, basically debunk things inside of um, false humility. But I do want to um, talk about the things that that we should be doing better. Um, and I think that that would benefit us greatly, especially in, in the new year and really something we should start today. But I first want to um, really gauge your mind with different things that we say um, really want you to think about the things that we say that God himself wouldn't say you know one of the scriptures that I typically go to um, in I'm sure all of my episodes thus far have been Matthew or has been Matthew chapter 12 verse 36 and this is basically God saying or Jesus saying that words reveal your character so verse 36 says, but I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to get and give an accounting for every careless or useless word they speak. 30, 37 says, for by your words, reflecting your spiritual condition, you will be justified and acquitted of the guilt of sin. And by your words, rejecting me, you will be condemned and sentenced. And I truly, truly love this verse because it has changed, um, I would say, my mindset as to how I go about talking and speaking. Um, and it's more of a very decisive way of using words and language rather than just saying what I have heard or saying things that may be opinionated or opinionally correct. Like they are not correct, but just because I think that it's right, I just say it. It's like, no, I try to practice actually 
making sure I'm saying the right thing and not just saying anything at all. Sometimes being quiet, like it, it, it dives into more than, you know, just using words correctly and precisely. It's more so just sometimes figuring out what to say and what not to say at all, you know, if to say anything at all. But I want to go back and and let you I wanted to bring that verse up mainly to piggyback off of the fact that, hey, we've been saying things that aren't biblical and I'm going to ask you certain questions like, hey, are you or do you consider yourself 100 percent biblical? And I know most people will say yes. It's like, OK, so, you know, when like when start to describe yourself and people are like, well, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. And it's like, OK, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, you know, I still sin sometimes, you know, and God forgives me, but like I, I sin, so I can't be perfect. And it's like, OK. And you said you're 100 percent biblical, right? Yeah, I'm 100 percent biblical. All right. OK. So w what does the Bible say about perfection? Well, you know, it, it says that only Jesus was perfect. It's like, well, no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Um, because, you know, Abraham, you know, we can start in Abraham in Genesis. I believe this chapter 18, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but God tells him, hey, walk up before me and be perfect. And then we go to Matthew and Matthew says, hey, go be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. So we we you're just saying that. And it's like, but you're 100 percent biblical. It's like, well, well, yeah, I still don't think that we should be perfect because that's being prideful. To call yourself perfect is to be prideful. You're saying that you don't sin. It's like, well, perfection has nothing to do with sin. It actually just means spiritually mature. In some cases in the Bible, outside of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, but you didn't know that scripture. So how do you how do you sit here and say something? But this is the topic of false humility, right? Because we think by saying something that the Bible actually says for us to be is then being prideful. Whereas technically that's just false humility. If we're just saying I am being humble by saying this, that I am not perfect. Right? Like, wouldn't that be the right way to do it? Because in this is, I want to also say this as well. I think that the Bible is the word of God, the written word of God, of course, um, because I know some people are like, oh, you think he's words like, OK, clearly, no. But the written word of God, I believe, is what Jesus would say aloud. And in this perfect sense <laughs> is he actually uses this word so clearly it has some meaning. So you can take him for what he said rather than what you feel like about this certain word. But this is where the false humility comes into play, because we have used tradition and um, a form of religion to shape our thinking as to what we should say, how we should say it, so forth and so on. Um, but it has not helped us in any format or any way. Because it's like, OK, you saying that you're not perfect. How does that help you on a daily basis? And it's like we come up with these absurd things. Right. And it's not actually helping us because I think about the person who's dealing with um, 
different mental issues. I wouldn't say necessarily a mental health issue, but I'm just going to say mental issues, right? And this person sits there and they, they weep and they wallow and say, hey, I need help. I need this. I'm not perfect. I realize this. It's like, okay, what is this, conf- what is this confession? This, this confession, does it help you? Are you now overcoming because you have now stated aloud that you're not perfect? Are you now becoming perfect because you have now said that you're not perfect? Or are you continuously acting in an imperfect way? Because I believe that if you're saying you're not perfect, then you're giving yourself room to act imperfectly, imperfectly. So it's like, okay, I get to do wrong because I'm not perfect. I shouldn't be expected to do everything right. Well, let me take you to a few verses, right? Because we have First John chapter 2, um, verses 1. And it says, I write, things, write these things to you, dear children. I'm writing these things to, so that you will not sin. So, yes, the expectation is that you don't do anything wrong. So you thinking that you have this, uh, oh, you, you have grace, right? <laughs> In, you, you have grace. So in the, the there's a difference between, OK, hey, I messed up and I, I made a mistake. I need to get better. Hey, Mark, you got to you need to pick yourself up because God has given you absolutely everything to live this life and go be great because you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be doing everything unto God. And it's like you, you if you during that, if I'm doing that. Then I have no room to start talking about what I am not. I have no room. I have no need to because I'm just obeying God. Right. It's like, hey, get up, obey, get up and obey. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. All right, Mark, you need to get up and obey. It's simple. You, you, I don't have to sit there and say, oh, man, I'm not perfect. That, like this is fine because I'm not perfect. It's like, OK, well, God has given you absolutely everything to live this life. So. And he also tells you to go be perfect. And perfect didn't mean that, oh, you will never sin. But it's like, hey, man, you should go do the right thing as much as humanly possible. But for the person who thinks, you know, okay, yes, I have grace. Like I should be able to go and do certain things and make mistakes. Like that's a part of life. It's like, wow. Okay. So are you planning to make mistakes? It's like, man, I I just will. See, there. That's where I get into the the specifics of words, because to say that you will sin is very different than saying that you might sin. It is very, very different. And I truly think that if we start to be more specific in our thinking and how we treat the Bible, I think our whole lives will change. I think our whole lives will change the entirety of it. Because one is saying like, hey, God, I'm going to do my best to follow you in that I might mess up, but your grace is always sufficient. And another is saying, hey, God, I'm going to do my best, but I will mess up. But your grace will be there. I'm going to mess up. I'm definitely going to mess up. No, no, you don't, because no one told you to say that. Let's go back. What's that? Genesis chapter 3 and 11. God asking um, Adam, who told you to say this? Because this is what I'm asking you. Who told you to say that? Who told you to say that you will mess up? And that is now your expectation is that you will mess up. The Bible says, if you do, 
if you might you may but here we are trying to discuss and make people believe that i will you can't tell me that i won't mess up okay man you want to argue that i'm just saying that you might you're telling me that you will which is a difference because if we go and we read about grace then we will see that in romans chapter 5 verse 20 i love this scripture because it talks about the grace and sin factor it says but the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin but where sin increased god's remarkable gracious gift of grace his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more verse 21 so that as sin reigned in death so also grace would reign through righteousness which brings eternal life through jesus christ our lord now i love how it transitions right because that sounds great man where sins where i think the king james says where sin abounds much more grace abounds right and that's a beautiful beautiful thing but i want to take you to romans 6 and 1 to accurately explain those two verses in romans chapter 5 verse 20 and 21 but romans 6 and 1 says what shall we say to all this should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Verse 2. Certainly not. Certainly not. Shall we continue in sin? Certainly not. So how are we sitting here saying, I will do, I will do wrong. I will make this mistake. I will do this. And also say, hey, I believe. I believe that I'm free from sin. Because do we not know what Romans chapter 6 is? It's the, it's the verse that's about, it's the chapter about being free from sin. But here we are saying, hey, I'm not perfect. And God's like, well, I, I told you to be. I, I kind of, I told you to be perfect. So why are you telling me that you're not? It's like, well, well you know, I have to confess. It's like, no, man, I told you to obey. That's it. So you're sitting here telling me that you will sin and I'm to be okay with that. Like, cause I told you, Hey, like if you, if you sin, you have an advocate, you got grace. Cool, man. Like you're good, but you're telling me you will do this. You will continue to sin. And I'm telling you not to continue in this sin cause you should read Romans six and one and two. Right. But we're sitting here making these statements under a false pretense that, Hey, I am humble. And I'm here to say that no man, like that's not humility. That's actually false humility. Because and I I always taught this for a number of years. It's like, hey, if I stand in the stand in the pulpit or if I am doing testimony service, you know, on a Sunday morning in my three-piece suit and tie, right? And I stand up in front of a crowd and I say, hey, you know. Oh, how we know, man, I kind of forgot how we start off. I haven't had testimony service in such a long time. But, you know, first giving unto God, who's the head of my life, you know, giving honor and thanks to my pastor and co-pastor. And then we started talking about our life and we say, hey, I'm not perfect. You start hearing those claps. People start, people start to relate to you. 
And he's like, oh, wow, like they they care now. They want to they're more engaged in what I have to say now because they're they're now with me. They agree with me because we're not perfect people. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds like pride. That sounds more like pride because now you're going against what the Bible has told you to do. And because people agree with you, now you're right. Hmm. That sounds a bit prideful. Because I believe pride to be going outside of the Bible. I believe that to be disobedience. I believe that, hey, how do you say you believe and you also say you cannot do this? Has has God not given you absolutely everything to live this life in a spiritually dynamic way through personal knowledge? Is that not what second Peter one chapter three, uh, chapter one, verse three says? It's like, but we're sitting here just saying these things, man, because we know people will agree with us. And it's easy. It's easy to to seed our our mentalities to that because we want people to agree. We don't really care about the Bible actually agreeing with what we say. We want those who we love and can see every day to agree with us. However, we also say that we believe so deeply in a man that we've never seen before. We truly say this. That's wild. Like, don't don't continue to paint yourself as this victim that the Bible calls you the victor. The Bible's calling you to better and you're calling yourself worse. So that was my my perfect spiel. Right. You know, I always think that that relates to a false humility. It's like we think of ourselves lower. And that's what I was I was doing some research right before I started the podcast today. And I was thinking about the word humble and how in the Bible um, where he says um, he gives grace to the humble. Um, and um, I was thinking about that and I read it and it was like to be humiliated in um, a circumstance. And I went back to Jesus and how um, it also I believe this is Philippians chapter two, excuse me verse five and it's talking about to have the same mind and attitude as christ and it goes down and it talks about how jesus obeyed him even unto death and then i thought about how did he die he was humiliated but it it was through obedience and we are trying to quote unquote humble us ourselves through disobedience hmm because when I ask or when the Bible asks, hey, are you the son of God? Are you the one we're to follow? Now, you know, Jesus being so poetic, he said yes in his in his own way. <laughs> but it was still a yes. It were we in this society today, we're saying, oh, hey, you know, I'm still a sinner. I'm just like you. I'm a sinner. I need God. It's like you don't have him. Well, well, yeah, I, well, well, yeah, I have him. Well, no, 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 no. You just told me you you need him. Like, oh, I need more of him. OK, well, so he he comes impartial. He's not he's not the fullness of all things. Well, ooh, yeah, those answers start getting tricky, right? Because now like now you need to defend your faith because you just said that, hey, you believe 
in God and that God has given you everything. It's like, okay, what about Second Peter 1 and 3? He's like, well, well, I mean, I have everything. I just think that it's humble to say, well, that's you. What does the Bible say about this? Because we sit here saying these things and what does the Bible have to say about it? Like it disagrees with you. It's trying to find the real answers. These people need real answers. But here we are. And if we go to Ephesians chapter one. And we I really it starts in verse 22. But if you go down to 23 and well, I'll start at 22 because I want it. It's a complete sentence. And it says, and he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. The fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. So tell me how you're correct in saying that you need more of the person who feels all things in you. How do you need more? How? But see, I I was talking to my wife about this. And I said that, like, I think most people will take my discussions or podcasts and things to be like the, the pointless argument. And I, I truly don't think it's a pointless argument because I think that we are building a hmm, a structure that's not with with a biblical foundation when we say things like that, because tradition has taught us, hey, this is OK. So keep doing it. Keep saying it. It's it's good. It gets the people going. People love to hear that they're not perfect. People love to hear that they're not, they shouldn't be religious because they agree with these things. But if you actually sit here and say what's in the Bible, mm -mm, people don't want that. And then I started to really think to myself as to why, why is that, why is that the way it is, God? And then I remembered that the way is narrow. I was like, hmm. It's like because tradition is keeping us in saying, oh, I'm not perfect. And it's like, why do you say that? Well, truly, the reason is because the one before you that you trust, they said that the one whom you loved, they said that they were not perfect. And you agreed. Now, you didn't do Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15 and say, you know, and study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. You didn't you didn't do that because you loved the person you were listening to and you trusted them. They had an influence on you. And one might say, hey, what do you mean by religious? Like, I'm just like, why don't when we're talking about biblical topics, why don't we actually just use the Bible to talk about them? Like, I I mean, (laughs) that's all that I typically try to do. Right. Like, I don't. I think that if you go through my episodes that I don't really deviate from using the Bible. I don't really try to do that. Right. Because if I if I'm speaking on religion and someone says, you know, that the spirit of religion, you know, I bind the spirit of religion for one. There's no such thing. (laughs) There's religion 
like pure religion and then there's a form of religion i.e a form of holiness if if you will in second timothy and we'll go read that as well but let's start with what religion is so and if we read verse 26 of james chapter 1 it says if anyone thinks himself to be religious scrupulously observant of the rituals of his faith i probably said they were wrong but you know and does not control his tongue but deludes his own heart this person's religion is worthless futile barren verse 27 it's my favorite verse now take take this in right pure and unblemished religion as it is expressed in outward acts in the sight of our god and father is this to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress and to keep one's self uncontaminated by the secular world wow well why do you say you can't be religious and that you shouldn't be you're binding the spirit of religion in jesus name well hold on now but it says what pure religion is so who why is now your word outnumbering this like now now your word goes above and beyond what this now says and here we are here we are that's what this thing should be titled like here we are now because it's like to look at this and to see people constantly teaching these things constantly teaching these things because if we go now, when people are talking about religion, and if we go to the Bible and we read 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the Amplified Version, right? It says, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion. So if we, let's read that entire thing. It, it, the, the title of this in the Bible says, difficult times will come, right? And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 it starts with, for people will be lovers of self, narcissistic self-focused lovers of money impelled by greed boastful arrogant revealers disobedient to parents ungrateful unholy unholy and profane and they will be unloving devoid of natural human affection calloused and inhumane irreconcilable, malicious gossips devoid of self-control intemperate immoral brutal haters of good traitors reckless conceited lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers lovers of god verse five is here it is holding to a form of outward godliness in religion although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith avoid such people and keep far away from them wow and let's go to verse, wow, verse six, or yeah, I believe it's verse six says, for among them are those who, who warm their way into homes and captivate morally weak and spiritually dwarfed women weighed down by the burden of their sins, easily swayed by various impulses, always learning and listening to anyone who will teach them, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Are we like, are we reading this? Because that's a form of religion. 
that's the form. And now if you're saying bind the spirit of religion and you're talking about this, but most times we're talking about tradition because when I ask people, hey, what do you mean by religion? Like what, what is religious to you? And they start talking about when women were wearing skirts down to their ankles. That's tradition. That's tradition. Because in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. They actually had good reasons as to why they did it. So, like, that's not a bad thing. That's tradition. But pure religion is to be uncontaminated by the secular world. So I, I want people to think about the, the scripture that talks about you will be judged by every idle word you use. Right. So if you say that you are not religious, not not that you don't have a form of it, because these are specific words. And I wish we would be more specific. Right. Right. So <laughs> in thinking of this, if you are saying that you're not religious, then you're just saying this is what you are saying is that you don't care about the widows. You don't care about the fatherless and that you are contaminated by the secular world. It's almost as if being saved and being religious go hand in hand, that they complement each other. But but that, that's the thing is if you walk in a church right now, especially black church, I don't know much about the other cultural churches, but I do know more about the black church. And if you walk in right now and say that you are not religious, then people will agree with you. People will want to engage more in discussion and thought with you. They will see you as one of their own. But that's crazy that you saying that you're not religious is in itself a form of religion that is bad. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Like if we actually look at the verses, what you said is wrong, according to Second Timothy three. It's because now you just like you just basically exposed yourself as someone who technically does not believe. And that you are contaminated by the secular world. So you're about to come in here and say some stuff that the world will say. And that's that's another point that I want to make. I'm getting excited. Wow. But that's another point that I wanted to make is that look, let's compare. Right. The world is saying that they're not religious and that they're just spiritual. And we all know that that can mean one or two things. They can be godly or demonic. That's just that's just how it is. Right. And the church is now when well I is now, but they are, are also saying, hey, I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. I just have a relationship relationship over religion. No, your relationship includes religion because religion is how you do it. That's how you conduct your relationship by taking care of the widows and the fatherless and being uncontaminated by the secular world. But you know who has a right to say that the world does. Why is the church saying the exact same things as the world and thinking that it means something different? It, it does not. But here we are. And another point that I wanted to make, like, because these are different things that we're saying, right? It's like we and we try to use really the Old Testament to, I would say, um, back up our quote unquote arguments. So one might say, well, you know, I'm not perfect and I'm not religious and, you know, my ways are not his ways. So, you know, I'm always leaning on God, which it sounds amazing, you know, at face value. 
But there's a difference. We are under a new covenant. A very new covenant, right? So in this new covenant, we were guaranteed at, at least, at the very least, the, the stamp and seal of the Holy Spirit that's talked about in Ephesians. And so this is the difference is that Jesus, well not Jesus, God, the father walked among um, the people in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, he walks with us and in us. Right. It's a completely different scenario. This was a completely different, you know, testament and covenant. But, you know, we 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 tend to quote Isaiah um, chapter 55 verses 8 through 9 where it's saying his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts so, oh okay you know that's wow that's amazing the claps and wow I want to listen I want to know more but then when the Bible says have the same mind as Christ do they now contradict because we're 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 creating spaces to sin now think about that we're creating spaces to sin because what we're saying is, hey, God, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. You will always do better than me, God, because I'm not going to be doing what you're doing. Think, think about what that is saying. That's the Old Testament. You are claiming to have the Holy Spirit in you. Yet you are saying your ways and your thoughts are not his. So, Mark, what are we to say? Literally, the Bible is saying to have the same attitude as Christ. First John two and six says those who claim to be in him are to conduct themselves like him. Like the verses are there. It's in the New Testament. It's under the covenant that you are actually under. But you're going to the old covenant to justify your incorrectness. That's not okay. That's nowhere near a good thing. Don't justify that. Your ways and your thoughts should be like his. Because you should be doing the right thing. <laughs> like, wh why are we thinking that this is rocket science, right? Like, th this is out of the normal it's like we can't possibly think the right way. What? <laughs> what? So you don't do anything right? Well, well, yeah, I do. You don't think that God does things right? Well, yeah, he does. That's the same thing. Like you're only thinking that way because he graced you to do so. So, yes, you can think that way. You can have his ways and his thoughts in your mind and act on them, which would just be called obedience. You literally have 66 books worth of text to teach you these things. You have it. But we're just like, oh, you know, my thoughts are not his thoughts. You know, it's just God. And that's the, like that separation of God and self. It's like it's only him. It's none of me. It's like, no, he wants you to be him in the earth. He wants you to be him. When you're interacting with your friends and loved ones, he wants you to represent him. So why are you not? Oh, because you have all of these um, things to say. Oh, man, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I'm still a sinner. You know, I'm not I'm not good enough. 
I'm this, I'm that, I'm terrible, I'm the worst of the worst, you know, and, and he died for me. Okay, man, you now have him. Now start saying the things that the Bible wants you to say. How about we do that? Because this false humility is like, man, like you're going in the wrong direction. You're going in the very wrong direction. You cannot just be a sinner. It, what we say, a sinner saved by grace. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> we are still sinners. Wow. And the Bible says that he doesn't take into account a wrong endured, right? Because that's what love does. I believe that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, I forget which one inside of there. But he doesn't take account our sins, right? Those who believe, of course. But here we are calling ourselves the things that we do wrong like most of our time is not even doing the wrong thing yet we identify as the wrong thing it's like oh man i messed up today i'm a sinner dang bro like you only messed up one time you've actually done the right thing like almost all day but this one time you mess up then you are that thing that you did incorrectly but here we are and this is a, a thing that I say a lot is too much of anything is is bad for you. And it's a quote that I have with my wife. And because to be humble is not to think too lower of yourself. Too lower. It's like, OK, you can think low. I'm like, OK, hey, man, you're really great at this. It's like I'm only great or I am the way I am because God graced me. He allowed me to be this way. He, he made the provisions for me to be this way. He gave me all of the abilities that I have, which is putting myself below who he is. And that, and that is fine. But it's to say, oh, man, I'm, I'm not good at all, actually. I'm actually terrible. You don't say that. Because <laughs> supposed to look at you like you actually are pretty good. So, hey, man, yeah, I, I do think I'm pretty good. But all, all thanks and praise go to God because he is the reason as to why I am the way I am. And he is the reason as to why I do the things the way I do them, because I want to do them to his glory. But that gets that gets that boasting back to God as Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17 says. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Do that, but you don't have to call yourself too lower than what you are. And that is what we have been doing. And I think a major, major part of this is that we lack taking accountability. It's like we don't want to take accountability for our actions. So we sit here and we say, hey, God, I need deliverance. You've already been delivered. Hey, God, I'm not perfect. I told you to be perfect. Hey, God, I'm not religious. You're supposed to be like all of this goes into your quote unquote relationship. Like, in no, you don't have to say, hey, you know, hey, Mark, you're speaking for God. This is literally what the Bible says. Like, we, we've we read it. You can just go back and listen to it. You can replay it. I hope you do, you know, to get the views up and listenings up. But, yeah, <laughs> that's just what it is. The Bible says what it says. And here we are trying to either use the Old Testament and say, oh, no, you know, my ways are not his ways. And God is just so omnipotent that I could never fathom um, or even begin to think, man, he wants he, he brought his son down here to show you guys how to do that. That way you could stop saying that you can't think this way 
and that now you can because he has not only shown you and given 66 books about it he's put them inside of you so that you don't really have an excuse to say you can't think like god because god's inside of you right or is he not because then that that's that brings up the question it's like is he not because you're saying you're a sinner you, do sinners go to heaven like the the ones that really believe that they don't believe because that's what a sinner would be because it's not saying that the sinners don't make mistakes or the saints don't make mistakes but we're not called sinners like for a reason like for a very reason because we're not that like the entire chapter of Romans 6 talks about why we are not sinners right and here we are saying that we are sinners but this is where we have ended up and i think where we have began as well just to be correct in that because to sit here and think about all the things that we're saying just so that we can applaud ourselves or get an applause from other people and that we way we can feel um, verified and validated by the things that we say but because other other people who also don't know the bible agree with you that's what we're doing here so what what side do you truly stand on if you say that you are 100 percent biblical so when you get to talking about the bible the bible is where you start and where you begin like it's the beginning and the end for you but it's like actually what it says and not us twisting and taking the word and making it fit what we say. I don't believe that you can listen to any episode that I've ever created, any YouTube video that I, that may be out there in the in the cloud somewhere. And that I'm going I'm just making words. I'm just making the Bible fit what I'm saying. Like, I don't try to I don't do that. I'm not doing it. I'm just reading what it says verbatim. And like going to the definitions of what it's saying. Like that's it. You should be doing the same thing. But here we are. We are in a space where we need to be better. This is the new year. You know, we have these new year resolutions, even though this should be a tomorrow thing. But I'll give leeway, right? But this this has to be where you make that decision and say, hey, I am going to fully commit to this. I am fully submitting myself to the thing that I say I believe in. Because the Bible says so, not because Mark Mosley says so in his amazing podcast called the Gospel of Mark. Not that not that not because of that, not because of that. There's a good reason, but not because of that. But because the Bible says what it says and you say you believe those who claim to be in him must walk like him. That's that's it. That's it. That's the natural basis. That's what you should base your life on. Here we are, man. I, I truly hope that something is said to get those gears going. You know, uh, I, I do want to uh, throw this scripture out there. Um, Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 through 23. I actually gave you verses 22 and 23 in the podcast. Um, but that scripture is talking about opening up the the eyes of the mind and 
and, and flowing information so that way you will know that you have the fullness of everything. That it starts the it's like a prayer about the personal knowledge that's in Second Peter chapter one verse three. And I think if you take time to like dwell on it, not just read it, but to dwell and meditate on the scripture as such, I think your your thinking will begin to see um some new things happen in your life. Um I truly will. I mean that's what the Bible says. It says that it it will happen, so I mean it's there to be had. But again, I always want to um, extend it out to people who like you you heard this message and you're like okay i don't know if i believe and again romans chapter chapter uh, 9 verse 10 uh, well chapter 10 excuse me ver chapter 10 verse 9 through 10 ask believe and confess it's that simple um there doesn't have to be a major prayer to pray i know that we say the sinner's prayer out of really not a fan of it um, if you do it, hey, that's great. I hope the, the, the end goal is for you to believe. Um, and that, that is my goal for you. So I hope you take time to read that and I hope that it affects you. Um, I hope you go and read first John two and one to see that this is the leeway that you have in first John two and six is who you're supposed to be like and go read Hebrews chapter 11, verse one to see like, what is faith and what is that entitled? What does that look like? Because faith is the reason why we I do any of this and why I truly exist to today is because of faith. Um, so I hope that it blesses you in some in some form or fashion and because I know it will. Um, so, ho, I really appreciate um, you guys taking the time out to make it to this this part of the podcast, which is the end. Um, and it is. Yes, is officially titled the gospel According to Mark, I think that is what I'm going to go with. Um, but I like the gospel of Mark as well, you know, by your very own Mark Mosley Jr. Um, but I, I just have a great time talking about the word of God. Um, I hope that, you know, something is said to really, you know, get you thinking in a different direction. If you read the description, it always says that this is not to make you do anything, but to give you information so you can make a better informed decision. Um, I hope you guys truly had a Merry Christmas and I hope you have a happy new year. Um, you will hear from me soon. Um, have a great rest of the day.